It's Sports Arena and it's Extreme Rewind. Your weekly look into our extreme from episode one all the way to 401 of ECW Hardcore TV with every pay-per-view special and everything else in between. you got myself, Paul. I'm joined, as always, by Jay. How you doing, Jay? Well, we may have just been talking about November to remember, but it feels like we should be talking about Heatwave. <laughs> I was going to make a Heatwave joke. Boom, bitcha. But it is no joke. <laughs> it is harder than a hot thing. Um, how are you doing? Harder than hell. Yeah, it's um, uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. It's the end of 1997. We are another year into our extreme journey. It is all kind of emotions. It's November to remember, just finished, but we should be talking about heat wave. But it's New Year's Eve and Christmas. There's all kinds of excitement happening. It really is. And Public Enemy as well. Which we'll get into. Um, yeah, this week, as you can probably tell, we're at the end of 1997, looking at episodes 243 and 244. Is it 401 episodes in total? It is indeed. Mm-hmm. And I know, we're well on our way now. It's quite the, quite the journey. It's extreme. I might work out the percentage. Oh, that'd be exciting. How far along we are. Stay tuned, listeners. <laughs> I'm doing maths. Um, so, yes, we're also going to do um, end of the 16. year awards. Five nine eight five zero three seven percent So let's call it 60%. 60% in, that's not bad. Three-fifths of the way there. Feels like we should be law further, considering what we started in 94. Three. 93, 93, and it finishes in 2000. Yeah. So, I don't know. I suppose the specials, isn't it? The pay-per-views and stuff like that is... It's, I don't know, it shouldn't matter at all. I don't yeah. know. But yeah, anyway. Um, <laughs> I just ramble on my own confusion. It's the power of maths, you see. It gets you into a, a spin. You, you, you are literally that meme of... Um, uh, the hangover where he's got all the, the numbers bouncing around his head. I think that's basically how I just felt with you and say 60%. Um, or yeah, three-fifths so, for our fashion-loving fans. We're also going to do end-of-the-year awards as we do the end of the years. It's the best and the worst of, which um, should be interesting. And we've, yes, thrown out, we've thrown out the best of to Instagram and Twitter and we've got a, a few little responses there that have been interesting. I didn't, didn't want to throw out the no, I think you're right. I think that we don't need to put out a poll to find people's opinions of the worst of anything in wrestling, um, especially at the moment. So I, th- I think focusing on the best of, and we'll talk about some of the bits that have driven us insane as we've watched everything in 1997. Definitely. So, um, yeah, last week it ended, as you pointed out, with uh, Tommy Dreamer, and Sandman on the ring to face what appeared to be Rob Van Dam and Sabu. That was the end of the show. And you rightfully said this week started, surprise, with a completely different match of Sandman versus Sabu. And this is where yes. we're at. And this is where we're at. At the beginning of episode 243, it kicks off with Sandman versus Sabu. Uh, a match that had about five first-time ever's is now obviously in a place where it seems to be 
every house show they do has to have this match on. Yeah, I mean, from first time ever, I don't know if that was the first time that week. Well, yeah, I mean, it's one of these, like, their the matches are great. They're sort of iconic ECW matches, two icons going at it. But it's, it's like a lot of this. ECW has this habit of they have proper, like, almost best out of seven feuds of every feud. You know? Raven Tommy Dreamer, maybe talked about later. Yeah, Raven Tommy Dreamers, obviously, um, Milinko Guerrero's, Rey Mysterio versus Psychosis, um, Sandman versus Cactus Jack. Shane Douglas and Chris Candido versus the third member of the Triple Threat. Oh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so these aren't like bad matches. You're probably listening to me thinking, you know, what's your problem? These like outstanding matches. And it's not the point. It's the point is just like they'll be on for like five weeks in a row, the same match. Yeah. Tommy Drew and versus it, Bulldozer. It's one of those- same with, um, you know, we, we it was one that, as you pulled that out, really kind of, for me, with the um, Malenko-Guerrero uh, matches, it really got to that point of, it's a good match. It's not my favourite match I've seen out of these two in the last month. But that's it. Um, with Sandman and Sabu. It, you know, it's a good match. It's, it's a... It's a Sam Man and Sabu match, you know exactly what we're going to get. They they kill each other and themselves doing some crazy shit. But it is a lot of the stuff that you've seen them do recently. Week so before. it's not quite evolved to the point where they've moved any of their set pieces on. And it's just done in an ever so slightly different order. Um, so it's not a bad match. It's just no better than the other six. I think that's the thing. It's not a bad match. It's a fun match. It's a very ECW match. It's an enjoyable match. But if you're doing a podcast where you review the match, it becomes difficult because you're kind of like, yeah, we sort of felt like we almost spoke about this match last week, but it's not this match, but it is. And the week before. Yeah, but it's pretty much this match. Yeah, exactly. It's not like when Cactus Jack fought Sabu for the first time and Cactus Jack's whole thing was he wasn't going to throw a punch or a kick yeah, the whole match. Yeah, you know, it was it was just a different version of the Doesn't match. Like a long time ago, I know. And they had the rematch where he actually fought, and it was like, okay, this is a different match. But um, yeah, it is. It feels like a lifetime ago. Um, we should go back and watch it all again. No, so yeah, when we finished, when we finished the other, <laughs> we'll look back and we'll do it backwards. <laughs> we finish with hot stuff, Eddie Gilbert, and the um, super destroyers. Ah, Super Destroyers, bless him. This JT Smith kid, I think he's going to go far. I saw a JT Smith post the other day and brought back fond memories. I think he's the true, um, the true OG. He should be get much more love than he does in the world of ECW. Absolutely, I, I think that you know, in the final Rushmore, whenever we do that, is he going to make it? Probably not, but you should get an honourable no, mention. But he will be in some sort of <laughs> he'll, be, he'll, be, he'll be there. He'll, he'll get to... one of the four main faces of all of ECW. Yeah. No, but... <laughs> yeah, it's like the football ground. Does he, get a sta- does he get a statue outside? No, but he should do the tour. You know, <laughs> sort of that tour. Third floor North Wing probably should be named after him. Um, yeah, so the match again, it's a decent match. It's worth watching if you love these two. 
the end comes where Rob Van Dam comes down, gives Sabu a little bit of help, and Sabu picks up the victory as he continues his winning three. Again, the problem is that these matches pretty much finish the same as well. So you know that you're watching this, waiting for RVD to reappear and to go from there. Exactly. And speaking of original matches, next up we have, we go straight into basically Just Incredible versus Mikey Whipwreck. Uh, yes. So the story of this one is that um, Just Incredible, this precocious wrestling talent, had a win streak that was racking up and got to four names. One of those was the great Sasuke, and therefore that means he must be hot shit. And therefore it was a shock when the underdog, Triple Crown winner, beat him. And he was upset by that because no one gets beaten by, by Mikey Whipwreck, apart from Sandman, Shane Douglas, Steve Austin, everyone. Um, so he challenged him again last week. And again, Mikey Whipwreck managed to beat him. So he is now 2-0 and against this precocious upstart who's now lost almost as many matches as he'd won on his win streak. But here we are again. And surely this time he's going to be able to beat the underdog triple crown winner. Um, and he does, sort of. <laughs> sort of. Sort of. Um, again, decent match back and forth. Mikey looks good. Uh, just incredible. He's looking really good. Enjoying um, his stuff. I'm, I'm sort of that. I can't wait for him to get involved. And sort of. He's. Again, you know, one of the things we've said about this all the way through is this incredible watching him evolve into, you know, the icon that we know he becomes. So, you know, watching the spinning tombstone become the finisher rather than a setup move. Yeah. For instance, is, is just, you know, one of those kind of bit by bit. He's just missing the the t-shirts and the cane and a couple of other bits and he's off. So you can see that evolution come through. That's the thing and it's like um, he's one of the few characters that you sort of see his presence you think this guy could be a nasty piece of work. He's got that kind of vibe about him. When, when others, even though they have good heels, it's hard for them to come across as Hill Hills. I mean, like Shane Douglas obviously has that, but this he could tell he's got this, you know, he, he could be a real piece of shit kind of. And I, I was yeah, I mean I, I think your your description of heel heels is exactly right. It's it's that point of you know he, he's actually getting booed. Yeah, and just an arsehole um, chance and And it's there's about three. So it's Shane Douglas everywhere but Pittsburgh, R V D and him. Well, yeah, that's the thing. And you, you think, all right, it's being different booking. But him and Jerry Lynn debuted what, a week apart. They're basically he's Jerry Lynn's second match. Yeah. And if you look at where Jerry Lynn is compared to where Just Incredible is, you know, if Just Incredible won, maybe not the TV title because Taz was on it, but you could imagine him if he was to get say a belt next week, you'd be like, oh, wow, didn't expect it, but it wouldn't be, he's been placed a lot, lot higher as this guy could be legit. Yeah. And he shouldn't really lose it to anyone. Jerry Lynn had got a belt, you'd think it was A, the tag team title, and B, he drops it to someone else next week. Exactly. So it's just, 
and it's not sort of a knock on Jerry. It's just the way it's sort of impact from. from no, because term. again, we know how the new effing show turns out, and we know that the the legacy that he goes on to have, and he know we know that he goes on to have some of your and my favourite matches in ECW. We 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 are what about two years away from him writing die on his chest in Steve Carino's blood. You know, we've got some real huge Jerry Lynn moments coming here. But if you lined those two up, you know, to your point, if you lined those two up together and said, you know, you've seen these two do, you know, three or four matches now each, which one of these do you think becomes the world heavyweight champion? Which one of these do you think, you know, gets the entire crowd like buzzing? You're not likely to go for Jerry Lynn because at the moment he feels very much in that that block that Devon Storm never managed to break out of, or um, you know some of the others that you know El Puerto Ricano and, and you know good workers, psychosis, the good workers, but didn't quite push on yeah. and do something. Exactly. JT Smith, Tommy Caro, yeah. those those good hands, but not you know, but nothing more than. Hack Myers, that, that kind of level. No, 100%. Um, so the match itself, like I said, decent match. Mikey ends up hurting his leg. And basically, once he hurt his leg, Just Incredible jumps on it and basically puts him in sort of a leg lock. Mikey screams in pain. Pretty decent sort of sell if it was a sell. I might be really screwed. But um, yeah, screaming in pain but doesn't tap. The ref ends up stopping the match. Uh, Just Incredible doesn't accept the victory sort of as such. He continues to attack Mikey Whitbrook, hitting him with two spinning tombstones, or two spinning, that's incredible, depending where you're at. And um, yeah, just again, come across as a proper real heel heel. And everyone rushes out to, to stop him from continuing to beat Mikey, which is, which was a li- one of my least annoying and the locker room empties because it wasn't everyone and it was the faces and they have run out to look after him. You can argue about why they waited so long, but there's at least a little bit of logic of, you know, the likes of Balls and Axel and a couple of other people coming out to look after their mate yep. who's just got himself injured and then taken advantage of. Yeah, rather the Dudley boys running out in, yeah. the, in their own clothes. Here's Shane so, Douglas out to separate them. <laughs> yeah. So that happens. We then obviously get a few segments of Mikey getting sort of carried away. Uh, Joey Styles has a bit of an emotional breakdown, sort of explaining what we've just seen and sort of recapping parts. We then get Al Snow versus Paul Diamond. Um, again, fan of Paul Diamond and Pat Tanaka from their first run. Good to see him back. Obviously, you discussed him coming back and having a slightly different role in the company. But Bad this is, company. <laughs> but this is what I was saying to you last week about this is more what I wanted to see from Al Snow. This felt like yeah. the, the re-debut of Al Snow. When I felt like the Leaf Cassidy match, I called it that because of the Rockers gear, um, felt like an old match they had they just threw on he's coming out he's in sort of the more the blue tights he's got hair he's doing the head thing with the crowd a lot more he's got the blonde sort of hair he's, he feels a lot more Al Snowy here yeah 
Um, definitely. And again, you know, talking about that, that evolution of, of people, it is suddenly it's ECW Al Snow rather than um, ECW Leaf Cassidy style. 100%. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it really is. It's, it's, it's great to, to see the, the evolution. Um, Paul Diamond has someone with him at ringside. Um, so obviously, if you think about Paul Diamond, you think about um, him being uh, escorted to ring uh, by his valet, Chastity. Yeah, like, who is Chastity with before in ECW? So she was in the last flock with Raven. That was it. And I think that's the last time we saw her. Yeah, she was in the, the final version of the flock, wasn't she? Because I always get confused. So then obviously, in WCW, she's with Hack. But For I think, a minute and a half. Yeah, I think she ends up with Just Incredible, didn't she? Yeah, I think so. I, um, think... I mean, we will watch and we will find out. But yeah, very true. Thought... Yeah. Um, yeah, so obviously, Paul Diamond, slightly longer hair, not relevant, but it's relevant. A decent match here, didn't mind it. Um, like a short match, but he got enough of our snow to sort of get across that it's different. His entrance is different. Um, the vibe is different. It stands out. I like it. Good review for our snow. Yeah, I mean, I, I, our snow was great. I think Paul Diamond did really well. Um, you know, a little while ago, going back to Just Incredible, we were talking about how you're building this guy and you've put him against um, Chris Chetty, which is fine. Uh, you put him against Justin uh, Jerry Lynn in his first match, and did you really need Jerry Lynn to, to take a loss that quickly? Um, then the great Sasuke, and then Mikey Whipwreck, and couldn't you just feed him guys to, you know, have solid matches with but beat? And that looks as if that's pretty much what Paul Diamond's role is for the foreseeable: is just that you know, good hand, good solid work, get a good match out of you, showcase your stuff, and then. You know, stare at the lights, um, and he does it very well. Exactly, so it's not a, it's not a knock on him. It's just he's just no, it's, 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 it's great for, Yeah. Uh, so Al picks up the win. I view this as a debut or a review, and I say solid and um, yeah, excited to see the evolution of this character. Always yes. seeing clips. Obviously, remember more of his WWE run, but I've always seen bits of his ECW run. But very excited to watch the whole sort of ECW run with this. Yes. Um, in a very match-heavy show, which is pretty rare for this, we then get another match as the Pitbulls make their way to the ring. Talk about WWF. Um, talk about Vincent Mann. It all just feels... I don't know if it is with the Pitbulls and that. RVD and that feels believable. He feels Absolutely. An, an elite athlete that, you know, could walk into any federation and get a spot. He feels like he's the, his, his character is sort of the, the cocky, extremely gifted talent that could haggle a massive deal from Raw. When the pit and, balls... would, and would be sought after by Raw and by WCW. Yeah, when the pit balls feel like they're the kind of people who'd be used by someone who said they could get him into WWE to be their bodyguards. But then it turns out 
that they've never once discussed him in WWE and someone was just using him to be bodyguards. And I think that would be an incredible story. And all that would take is for them to subtly, they wouldn't even need to state it out loud, but subtly kind of suggest that, you know, all these conversations, they haven't actually spoken to Vince personally themselves. Yeah, I mean, that, that, I mean, this is the way that I, I feel it would have been a good way to unfold it all. If you find out that it was all just basically all a lie, just to get them to do sort of um, it's Lance, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so Lance basically would just fill him a line and say, he'd be talking to Vince. They're probably going to debut on Raw in a couple of weeks. They've got big plans for him. They're going to beat Legion of Doom on their debut and all this. And none of it actually was ever... Yeah. Everything, like I said, like it turns out, they find out that basically Vince doesn't even know they exist. Type thing. Yeah, Vince, just... Vince was asking about you again the other night. I said, you know, you're looking good. He said, you know, keep it going, keep the wins coming, keep doing what you need to do, keep you know crushing those people, and we'll we'll bring you in really, really soon. Yeah, it could have been a, it been a nice, um, nice baby face goodbye. But um, this is again, this is this is weird. I mean, we get a little bit of closure in the next show with the whole yeah. sort of W but at the moment again it's like two different factions doing the same gimmick it's very confusing yeah WF is invading in various ways and it's it's lost like so much steam from not having a real WWF Sort of, you know how the invasion was, WCW, yeah, and by the end, you know, Survivor Series, like the Dudley Boys and Stone Cold representing DCW, WCW, yep. and you think, well, no, that's just WWE guys. No, yeah, exactly. Yeah. No matter how you look at it, yeah. they just are. And it's at this point, and yeah, it's just sort of, it's got that kind of, they're not really WWF guys, they're just ECW guys. But, um, yeah, so anyway, they cut promo, say about that, say about, you know, talk about what, how amazing their house is and all this. Chris Chetty's there, said they were going to fight a top talent, but they haven't got one. If they can't beat someone like Chris Chetty, they probably don't deserve to even be in ECW. Um, fast forward, Pitbull um, 2, basically versus Chris Chetty. Pitbull 2 does loads of power moves and Chetty ends up getting the upset win. So the big guy throws the little guy around, takes too long, underestimates him and loses. Yep. It's kind of a staple, isn't it? Um, just really weird that Chris Chetty's the one's chosen to retire the Pitbulls, bearing in mind, you know, they're, they're, they're in this feud with Taz and various other things. It's, it's not kind of, you know, if I can't, if, if you can beat me in three minutes then, or, you know, I'm going to beat you so bad that you run off to Vince or, you know, it, it's, it's, you know, putting a, their careers up against a nothing match and then losing a nothing match. Yeah. And it's just, um, it's just kind of weird that you either book this group as like strong or, or you just don't. And the answer is you just don't. Yeah. Joe, Joe, you, you can't, either, they, they're either false is a real fall in ECW side and is trying to bring the company down. And like 
RVD and Sabu is like, you know, declaring it the this is now the WWE, you know, arena and that's the WWE TV title and, you know, and the Jerry Lawler stuff, all just, or, you know, you just sort of do this. And I think that's the thing is it's, it's, they're two different things being booked in two different ways, even though it's the same story. So you have got that one part of this, which is the force and is running in and destroying people and blah, 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 blah. And then you've got the other one who isn't. Yeah. It's, um, again, it's just, there's some craziness going on with it all. But, um, be interesting to see how it all fills out. We then get a whole bunch of promos. Lance Wright kicks it off talking about ECW women. Uh, ends up with Beulah walking in, sort of swinging and missing him and then hitting him. So, yeah, but Beulah's, he's talking about basically how he's having sex with all the women in ECW and then starts talking about uh, Beulah. Um, Beulah comes in and has a go. He then puts his hands on Beulah. Yeah. Um, because how dare you walk away from me? She spins around and slaps him. And then he uh, cries and says he wants to go home to his mummy. Yeah. We then pres- feel that this should have been a bump. I feel he should have, you know, we've just seen Bueller have an incredible match with. Bill off on better yeah. than it should ever have been. We've seen Bueller get beaten up by and hit various main event wrestlers over the last couple of years. Yeah. I feel that for someone who is being portrayed as a Weasley pipsqueak kind of thing, I feel that the slap should have been sold and he should have bumped um, and yeah. then done the, the you know, I want to go home to my mummy thing. Crumbled, yeah, the classic ECW, crumbled in the corner, camera goes close up to the face, and he sort yep. of just mumbled, yeah, 100%. Uh, we didn't get a bunch of Christmas promos, I guess. Yes, from throughout the years. So the ghosts of Christmas past are with us. Yes, yeah, so obviously we get um, Al Snow, Francine, Full Butter, the Tanya, Italians, um, RVD Sabu, Belafonso, Chris Candido, Jenna Jameson, um, he's always going to be part of ECW. But we also got um, some classic BWO, Public Enemies. Yeah, going um, all the way back to 93, I think, 94, I think. Yeah. With the Public Enemy stuff, might be 93. Um, BWO stuff from last year. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy to think a year the BWO has gone from what they were to sort of non-existent yeah uh, but yes just a bunch of them I mean nothing really came from them it was just sort of happy holiday things so that's yeah, nice Christmas skits exactly so moving on to episode 244 this is the last ECW episode of 1997 the show starts off with Taz's music hit and he walks to the ring with a, a pretty decent pop gets in the ring and basically said that he promised to help Tommy Dreamer if he had a match with him in Buffalo next time they were here. Not exactly how I remember the conversation going. 
No, and I thought they had this match. They had the match the week after, yeah. He basically said he'll help him if he faces him next week in a title match, which he did. Yeah, which again was the whole, you know, one of the many kind of, you know, I'm begging you, I'm begging you to challenge for my title. Why? Why Why are you having to call people out to come and challenge for your title? And why Tommy Dreamer? Tommy Dreamer, who's got one of the worst win-loss records in ECW, <laughs> beaten up by everyone. Is it because he wants to know what the Katahajime feels like and he's the only person who's going to do it? <laughs> Human suplex, Mr. Ian Dreamer. Yes. Uh, so, so yeah, so that happens. Uh, decent promo. He, he's just so over at the moment. He, he could he could literally just walk out and make fart noises and people will think he's fucking amazing. I think that's next week's promo. It should be. He's just, he's, and rightfully so, but he's just so over it. He's, he's, uh, Taz just walks to the ring and tries to fart his theme tune. <laughs> oh, still probably, they'll still probably edit it. Whatever one. Uh, next up, we got Tommy Dreamer and Sandman versus Rob Van Dam and Sabu. This is the entrance that we saw two weeks ago. Yeah. To fucking confuse me even more. Yep. Um, Exactly like sort of matches we've seen before. Jones, referee, ejects um, Bueller at one point for no sort of reason. Then it sort of gets all a bit carnage. Ends up with Sabu and Rob Van Dam sort of in the ring standing tall. But Alfonso gets the mic and says there isn't a man who can beat Sabu. This leads to Taz coming out in this segment as well. Again, Thing. He gets in the ring and gets uh, double teamed by Sabu and Rob Van Dam. Yeah, I mean, it's the first time they've really kind of had Taz not get the upper hand in this. But, um, yeah, I don't understand. Yeah, I guess it's sort of like we started the year with these two and we've sort of ended the year with these two. I mean, if if you can play back, if you have the memory to play back to Taz's, I just love beating you up, Sam, uh, Sabu. Yeah. You know, I, I, I love the fight you give me and I just love beating you up. Then you can kind of see why I'd come out and, and do it. But, you know, that goes against the whole kind of, we're not a team, I'm not your partner, I'm not interested in your feud, I'm not involved in this don't want to be involved in this. I helped you out because I wanted you to be to challenge me for my title. I didn't help you out because we're friends or a team or anything like that. I don't give a fuck about ECW versus WWF. I give a fuck about Taz and that's all I care about. Why? 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 And it's weird that the Dreamer match didn't start straight away afterwards. No. Obviously, I know it doesn't go with the Dreamer character to do like sort of a sneak attack or anything, but you felt like there was an opportunity there to almost make it believable that Dreamer was going to win this. Well, if you're trying to put this together as one, as if it's one night, that this has all happened in one night, why does Dreamer have two matches? Wouldn't Taz, you know, the next time in Buffalo, but I want him fresh. I want the best that I can have from Tommy Dreamer. I want you on your best day. I want you healed. I want you rested. I want you hungry. Because when I beat you, and I will beat you, I want you to know, I want to know I beat you on your best day. Not, yeah. I've already watched you been beaten up for 25 minutes and put through God knows how many tables by these two. Just feels, um, it must have been a timing thing, but like I said, I just don't know why this, it, it felt like this match was meant to be on last week's show. Yeah. 
feels and I don't know. Sam Mann and, and Sebu would have then been on this week's show. Exactly. With um, Dreamer and Taz and the promo and everything, which yeah. would have all just been nice. Uh, we get a promo from Al Snow again. He's having to go ahead. He's in the shower. Uh, we get a lot of head jokes as it goes on with Al Snow. Yep. But that was, I guess, the reasoning for this. We then get probably my favourite uh, promo with Shane Douglas and the triple threat. It's probably just for Chris Candida at the end, maybe he burst out laughing. But uh, Shane Douglas is basically there saying, they're the elite, they hold all the gold. He said that he was going to take over the business. He threw down a belt, the NWA belt, of like all the 100-year heritage and threw it down because he didn't care. These two said they were going to be the best tag team in the world. And look, they've proven it already. They've got the gold straight away. And all stuff like this. Basically went on to say the triple threat is sort of in charge. Shane Douglas threw up the three. Candido sort of put up the three. Lance Storm put up the three. And um, Candido grabbed Lance Storm, threw his fingers down and said, no, you're not part of it yet. Or, or something like that, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You've not earned it yet. That was it. And you basically then had Lance Storm and Candido have their first tension moment. Um, I mean, I've got to say, I loved everything about it. I, I, you know, Francine, I think, is just brilliant. She's, you know, just full sassy, which I, I absolutely am in love with. It's, it's just brilliant. I mean, Shane Douglas, this is the thing. I, I know that we were saying a, a couple of weeks ago about, you know, if, if he's really injured, then why are you putting the belt on him? However, he, you know, his, his promos are, are top quality. So, you know, have him on there cutting promos all every single time about when I'm healed, blah, blah, blah. Um, and Candido just continues just to delight me. Yeah. I, I mean, that's a, we've spoken multiple times about how amazing Candido is. And I feel like the Shane Douglas, as a champion who can't work, still offers more than, say, Bam Bam as a champion that can work. And it's not, it's not again, not a horrible comment to bet. It's just I think Shane Douglas's promos are so strong that even though he can't wrestle, he's still a stronger sort of heel champion having that belt than, say, Bam Bam, who's wrestling every week but not cutting the same calibre as promos. Yeah, I mean, I think what you could have done is done a little bit more horseman style. So while he's he's out injured, you rely on Candido as his his enforcer and his gateway. So, you know, people will step up and challenge, but they have to go through Candido. Yeah. And he knocks the majority of them down. And when he starts getting closer to being cleared, you can have him, um, you know, lose a couple of matches and go rounds with, with a couple of people, with someone who then clears Candido and then, you know, elevates onto Shane Douglas. And you can have, you know, shenanigans with Francine getting involved and Douglas getting involved. and But but you, you showcase Candido all the way through. Um, and, you know, if you want to build tension down the line, then you've got the, heck, I've just defended this belt more times than you have. Yeah, no. You, you threw the belt down, I picked it up and ran with it. Yeah, 100%. So, um, yeah, it's probably my favourite promo at the two show. I mean, Taz is, was, was great because he's just so over, but this I just thought this was a great promo. Yeah. I thought the triple threat just looked 
Cole, they've all got the gold. They're just kind of cocky heels, just loving life. It's just, um, yeah, decent. They've got uh, Axel and Balls versus Lou, Matoni and Wild Bill. Um, so that yeah. happened? Yeah, just to fill the match, uh, Balls and that. One, then FBI versus Tommy Rogers and Jerry Lynn. Uh, obviously, we found out Tommy Rogers and Jerry Lynn were tag team partners the other week. And here they are. Yes, they are. Um, what do you think of this match? Um, I, I I have a little bit of a love hate ma- relationship with FBI matches. Um, I get what they are, um, and I think some of the bits are very clever. And I like some of what Tracy Smothers and and um, Little Guido do. Um, but they don't they don't grab my interest in any way, shape, or form. Uh, I thought Tommy Rogers looked amazing. I I I did pop for the Tommy Kazi. Yeah. Um, I rewound and watched the Tommy Kazis again um, because that must have been the the invention of the Unprettier or the Kill Switch. True. I don't know what time. I would have thought that it was must, about ninety eight that, that Christian had come in. Yeah, that must. Yeah, it must be the. Um, yeah. So I think it's. Yeah, no, it makes sense. I suppose it's one of those things because you, you see it so much, you kind of forget that it had to start. Somewhere. So Christian debuts September the 27th, 1998. Yeah, so um, this is a big jump, And obviously yeah. the, the Unprettier until a little bit later on. Um, so, yeah, so um, I think that may have been the first person to create the 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 kill switch the the unprettier uh the tommy Kazi. i think slightly more healer but um fbi basically seemed to be filling the void of um the bwo yeah yeah but you get sort of comedic skits and sort of like matches most weeks yeah they they're, they're your haha match aren't they um, yeah exactly i i looked as if um uh, poor Tommy got a bit confused as to who was meant to be pinning after he cleaned house. It's exciting, isn't it, though? Yeah, it was, it was fine. It was, it, was, it was what it was. We then got our main event, which was Taz versus Tommy Dreamer. Dreamer kept it, promise. And here they are in Buffalo. Just like we always dreamt about all those years ago. Um I just found it surprising how many times these two have actually wrestled in ECW, if I'm honest. Mm. I always just felt like it was one of those where sort of not kept away from each other, but they didn't have sort of many matches. But here they are again. Um, the match itself, nothing really wrong with it. I don't think their styles click the best out of all Taz's opponents. No. But, um, yeah, a fairly decent match. The main story is the ending where sort of team WWF sort of get involved and obviously Baracus comes out again, they're building up the Baracus. Obviously they've been told this is the guy to get behind, but he's kind of everything that ECW isn't. So it um, be interesting to see always how that plans out. I think this is the first kind of time you always see Rob Van Dam and that with the other WWF group. Yeah. And it is because it's the 
team that's feuding with Taz coming out with the team that's feuding with Tommy Dreamer, not because they are all under the WWF umbrella. Yeah. And that um, takes us to the end of the show, and that takes us to the end of 1997. And as we are at the end of 1997, it's only fair to do a little bit of a best of, worst of rundown. Obviously, a couple of you have thrown a few lists in, so we'll be doing some of your mentions as well. But um, where would you like to start? Would you like to start with a positive best of or a few little worst of? Let's let's do the best of. Let's 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 do the let's shine the light before we um, snuff out the candle. Okay, boom, 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 boom. Where would you like to start? Best feud for you, or let's start with best feud. Best feud of the year. I'll go first. My best feud of the year um, was Jerry Lawler versus ECW. Ooh. Uh, It was hard to say WWF versus ECW because of the watered down what we've got at the moment. But Jerry Lawler, when he first appeared at, I think it was WrestlePalooza, was it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or one of them, wherever he appeared at, basically. He sort of appeared and he was just an absolute heat magnet. It's still probably one of my favourite promos. He absolutely ripped ECW apart. Even the stuff on Raw that he did with ECW. And it was just it was just heat. It was just a great, great feud leading with Tommy Dreamer defending ECW's honour. I think that might be a wrestle pleaser. But um yeah, whatever one. He defended his honour and um on a ECW and yeah, great. It should have been the, the coming out party for Tommy Dreamer. It shouldn't still be going on. I understand why it is, but that should have been his made man after that. So um, with all of my, my choices, I have honourable mentions and my honourable mention for feud was Tommy Dreamer versus WWF. So exactly the same feud, but I was um, yeah doing it in the sense of, uh, you know, it was Tommy but- Dreamer versus... A, a very long list of people who got involved either shortly or, or more long-term uh, in regards to this feud. Um, you're right. I mean, that light coming out and light comes up and uh, Lawler's in the ring and Sabu and RVD just destroy everyone um, whilst Lawler's kind of, you know, taking shots and making jokes and all the rest of it, it was just such such a uh, such an angle such a scene such a moment just brilliant um uh yeah i mean it was it was just really really good um however for my feud um i went to uh the moment that followed just after that in the sense that everyone's laid out and everyone's done and no one can defend ecw and then out walks the human suplex machine uh, because not because he cares about any of this, but because he just loves beating up Sabu. Um, so I went for Taz and Sabu. Their build to uh, barely legal was brilliant. Um, yeah. You know, just just the the calling them out, calling them out, calling them out. Um, I thought that I would have been satisfied if that was it and they were done. Um, but I did enjoy them kind of extend expending it out and spinning it off into um, this just hatred that they do kind of you know pretend and you know show that they've got in this um alfonso switching sides i thought was brilliant um how he switched sides still less brilliant 
but you know just him going on to be RVD and Sabu's manager and that being yet another reason for the hatred um just just remains strong just you know every single time you've got Sabu in the ring and Taz's music hits it still has a, a, a bit of magic to it I think yeah I mean some of the other ones we had was um Sabu versus Taz and ECW versus WWF so it's all sort of the, the same same sort of things really but um, yeah no there hasn't been loads of feuds but the ones that have been good have been like really good crazy yeah. to think that um, obviously Terry Funk's chase for the belt didn't quite make it so, no no, I guess that's not a direct um, feud with Raven, is it? It's more a chase. It could have been anyone. It was just a chase for the belt. No, but, and uh, I mean, I did think about that for the flip side of this category, yeah. but it didn't quite make it there either for me. Uh, for that very reason, it wasn't really a feud with Raven. Um, tag team of the year. Where did you go with this? I I found this one really difficult um, because there's some really really good tag teams. So I have honourable mentions to uh, the Dudley Boys, yeah. who um, really up until up until probably five or ten minutes ago were my pick, um, because of their chunk at near the end where they were just like white hot. But for me, they didn't start the year white hot. They didn't end the year white hot. There was just a middle bit where they were big. Um, RVD and Sabu is an honourable mention as well. Um, but as an out-and-out out tag team, um, I've, I, I've got to give it to the Eliminators. I, I felt they were the best tag team in the world when they were active. Um, yeah, I, I went for the Eliminators. Same reason. Every time they had matches. I mean, was it this year they fought um, Gordy in that as well? Or was that last Duncan year? Duncan Gordy. Um, that may have been the tail end of last year. So this started with them pissed off because um, uh, their coach got laid out. That was it. They intercepted the triple threat message, which is the greatest match I never saw. Yep. Um, I mean, even when um, Saturn's leg was fucked, they were still just incredible. Just amazing, (laughs) I probably should say. (laughs) But um, yeah, absolutely amazing. Best... um, best team and the mentions we had as well is obviously like you said the Dudley boys have been mentioned and also do, 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 I think it's Eliminators as well yeah but Eliminators mentioned twice as well so everyone's sort of going for the same sort of teams not really surprised again like you said absolutely amazing uh, best non-wrestling on-air talent I went for Francine as did I. Um, I. I've got Fonzie as a, an honourable mention. Yeah. Um, but Francine, for me, you know, the, the Shane Douglas-Francine package, I've spent all of our review of 1997 just raving about the quarterback and the head cheerleader. You know, this is the hottest girl in the world and you can't have her because the only person she's interested in is me. Um, brilliant. Just, you know, she has just escalated she you know she was the bit that was missing from the franchise just reaching that level yeah. um just yeah absolutely 
that's it. I mean, um, she's just done so much to help him elevate. It's the little things that she does, the looks at the camera. She's just fully committed to the role and just absolutely compliments him. He comes across as such an asshole, and she just compliments it so perfectly. It's um, tremendous. Um, other mentions we got were Rick Rude, who does appear on the list, but not this list, and Joey Styles. Joey Styles always safe. He always offers so much yeah. to the product. He can't fault it. Shout out to Matty at the house, who should be in this category <laughs> every year for no, just because. Yeah, and you know why? Because I'm not sorry. Uh, best on the mic. Who have you gone for? Shout out to Matty in the house. No, um, <laughs> uh, again, I found this one really tough. So um, I have honourable mentions to RVD. Yeah. Partially because I've going back and watching this, I've been blown away as to how good he was on the mic. I forgot. I forget that with with. You know the 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 dude, whatever bro thing that that WWF had him doing. Um, uh, well, they, they always gave the perception he couldn't talk, didn't they? Yeah, and, and and listening to him, my God, can he talk? Just think, this early in his career as well, so it's not like he's even full. Well, he's always proved full confidence, but you know what I mean. He's not yeah. fully established. Found his character sort of vibe, and it, like I said his promo has been absolutely tremendous. Uh, my other honourable mention went to Taz. Um, Taz has had some absolutely outstanding shots on the mic this year. However, there have been a few that were not quite up to the, the same level. Um, and everyone, you know, if you're getting the mic put in you, your hand every single week, as, as both him and my choice have, you're not always going to, you know, you're not going to hit 100%. But for me, Taz missed on a few more than the person I chose. The person I chose, the best storyteller in ECW, I believe, at this point, as we've just talked about on this very show, is the franchise, Shane Douglas. Um, uh, just gets me interested in every single thing he's doing. It is. And you've got to think this is the same year that it started off with the Gary Wolf Pitbull stuff as well. Yeah. So it's been a long haul of tremendous, tremendous Terry white Funk. heat. Terry Funk. Uh, Stabu stuff, all of it has been this year. Um, you probably won't find it surprising that he was top of everyone's list, including mine. <laughs> um, he just completely dominated this one, and it's 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 for the reason that he should do absolutely like gold. If you if you want to sell a feud, give the mic to Shane Douglas, and you'll be invested. And if you're not, then something's wrong with you. It's as simple as that. Um, wrestler of the year, honorable so who your main one, yeah. Honorable mention to Chris Candido, he's yeah, basically just obviously. I've completely fallen in love with his ring work and everything this year. He's like I said, I've, I've, I've slept on him for too long this year, like for what we've seen of him, blown away so far, but he's just. Only thing he's lacked is obviously winning the big one, if I can sort of say that, which is why I've got to go for uh, Taz from his match with Sabu for obviously getting the belt off Shane Douglas in like three minutes, um, continuing Sabu, throwing around Spike Dudley's and 
Mikey Whiprex and getting involved with WWE OF. Um yeah, just has has been my rest of the year. I think his growth, he's just become from like a, a solid, you know, hard nut to just a bad motherfucker who sort of runs the show. Yeah, I mean, um, uh, he's my pick as well. Um, just uh, the most believable guy, you know, the, the guy that just absolutely feels like a killer, feels like the most legit wrestler badass in that company just feels like someone who could just tear you apart um really amazing watching the the the, the change as we has from have from you know the tasmaniac to you know the human suplex machine the 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 killer that we're used to um so yeah really really incredible and i can't wait to see what he does in 1998 um shane douglas was one of my honorable mentions um uh didn't have Sterling work all year round, but you know, again, just you know, the stuff he did was magic. And my third, my second honourable mention um, is a little bit of a lament from my point because I think with things being ever so slightly differently, Stevie Richards could have been the wrestler of the year. Yeah, hundred percent. Just so hot right up until kind of Augustish, yeah, um, Julyish, and then and just kind of went wherever it went, if he'd stayed, if he hadn't got injured, if they, you know, I, I do still think he was being groomed to be the, the heavyweight champion. I think the crowd would have gone apeshit for it. Just felt just a missed opportunity, just one that they didn't pull the trigger on and could have quite happily been the, the, the wrestler of the year if it just kept going. Yeah, no, a tremendous shout, obviously. We, we've bigged him up the whole year and, uh, yeah, Rightly so to bring him up. Um, other mentions that we got was Shane Douglas. Obviously, you mentioned him as well. So that's what other people were saying, which is unfair. And uh, I'm actually surprised that we're near enough exactly the same with our picks. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're pretty much ones and twos or twos and ones, aren't they? Yeah, so basically... I don't think yeah. there's anyone out there we're, we're, we're hugely different on i mean the only the only two that we've got any real kind of daylight in is um stevie richards and um chris candino and i've got to say you know that they're, they're both really good shouts and arguments yeah they were basically just one win away from getting it i think both of them yeah they're that sort of so it was that sort of close with it it was nothing sort of miles away yeah um, if the trigger had been pulled and you could have seen them just go up that next level couldn't you yeah um so we've also done a worst of list. Um, what was your worst feud of the year? Or do you want me to go first? I can go first on this one. So I'll talk through some of my honourable mentions again. So um, uh, Todd Gordon versus Bill Alfonso um, is going to be an honourable mention of worst feud of the year forever, I think. Um, it continued this year for the time that they were going. I don't know why it continued this year. There always had to be a point where Todd Gordon ran out and therefore got physical with Bill Alfonso. It didn't add anything. No one was buying anything for that. It was shit. It didn't need to happen. Speaking of things no one buying anything for, uh, Jeff Jones versus the rest of the officials. Um, I don't understand why that's happening. Um, It annoys me. It's not building to a match. It's not building to a feud. It's not building to any kind of outcome or payoff. 
it's 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 just not going to satisfy on whatever they think they're doing and have a real issue with the referees suddenly being very athletic and being able to do wrestling holds and moves like drop kicks and things like that. It just doesn't work for me. However, my pick for worst feud of the year, speaking of things that weren't ever going to lead to a match, was Rick Rue versus Shane Douglas. Before you go into your reasonings for this, <laughs> I would just say that my worst feud of the year was Rick Rude versus Shane Douglas. Did you have any honourable mentions that you'd like to, to push before we, we talk about Rick Rude versus Shane Douglas? Um, to be fair, I think you've mentioned, I think the, the ref stuff that sort of stand out, the refs versus Balls Mahoney and Axel Rotten, but I don't know if it was really sort of a, a feud feud. This is the only kind of real standout feud that um, just absolutely annoyed me. That I just thought, like you said, it just... And not in a sense of like the talent were horrible. It was like you said, it's a feud that could never go anywhere. I feel like Rick Rude had intentions to be cleared, but because of the... Um, the Was it Lloyds Bank of London sort of yeah. scheme as part of it? Because of, yeah, because of basically the payout there was no way to get around it and they didn't know what to do. And they sort of booked themselves into this thing where they had two important people, but they couldn't actually ever have a match. But it was also the fact that their enemies, their friends, their enemies, their friends, yep. you know, it, it was a very convoluted line that somehow got paid off with Brian Lee turning on the triple threat, although that wasn't the payoff. Um, and then later down the line, Bam Bam turned on the triple threat and that was the payoff. And, and it was just a very weird, you know, I love you, I hate you, I love you, I hate you from both sides. It, it just went on too long. Um, I have an issue and I, and I realise this is probably 2020 sensibilities creeping in as I watch a 1997 show. I have issues with my, my baby face hero, um, you know, allegedly sexually harassing, molesting and assaulting um, the valet of the heel. Um, so, yeah, it was just messy all the way through. And he wore the worst fucking jumpers. Yeah, he made no effort. I mean, like I said, he's, he's on Raw and Nitro at the moment wearing suits. And I don't know, like I said, it's just, it's just minimal. It's just, you just want Rick Rude to be Rick Rude. You know, and it just it didn't feel. I mean, obviously, I know it's not. Yeah. And if he can't um, wrestle, and if he can't even do, you know, run in and do a rude awakening and stuff like that, if he can't do anything physical, then get someone with him quite quickly so he can be the mouthpiece. But the feud can be Rick Rude and Blank versus Shane Douglas. That's it, hundred um, percent. Worst tag team of the year. They weren't in it for long, but their promo against the Dudley boys, I just felt they looked like swats, so I went for PG-13. Oh, that's a good shout. That's a good they, shout. I... They, they, they're only there for about three weeks, but every time I just... Again, I don't know if it's just because it, it's dated now and all that, but, but all their references just felt so... Just just, just dated and... Well, that's, they're the still issues, doing... we, we've spent a long time watching Public Enemy... And it felt like a rip-off of Public Enemy in the place where Public Enemy were made kind of thing. 
a bad ripoff as well, which is even worse. Um, yeah, that's a really, really good shout. I hadn't even remembered them, but uh, they were they were fucking awful. Um, I had FBI as an honourable mention, just for the reasons I said during the show. You know, I, I, I respect their, their bit in it, and I like Tracy Smothers and Little Guido, but the FBI matches leave me a little bit cold. However, my pick for worst tag team, uh, it turns out that when you take the most violent part of the gangsters and the best part from the best tag team in the world and put them together, they're fucking boring. Do you know what? These were going to be an honourable mention, but I had a hunch that you were going to go for <laughs> the gangsters. So I chose not the gangsters. Yeah, what an yeah. unbelievable clusterfuck of a team. Give New Jack a solo run and let's just call it quits. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I don't know why you didn't trust Cronus at that point. You were proven right not to trust Cronus, but still. Um, I don't know why you choose Cronus over Saturn. If the stories are true and Saturn wanted to come back but wouldn't didn't want to work with, with Cronus and wanted to do solos, fuck me, get Saturn into solos because look at who you've got running around at the moment. If you're only going to tag Cronus up with random people anyway, then do that. Um, they they won the championships. They 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 they've got a tag team title under them because of a one night pop thing that wasn't even that big on one night. They they never looked as you know it's 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 a computer game where you've chosen you've allowed allowed the computer to pick your partner at random. Yeah. It, it yeah. They're Oh, worst non-wrestling on-air talent. Who have you got? I, I've got a piece oh. you, that you won't even remember. <laughs> but this is something... Not in the I'll, house, I don't know what no, this, this is something I will take to my grave, this one. It annoyed me that fucking much. I'm not looking forward to it. Go for it. To, Oh, Mike Awesome as Francine's protector. Oh, God. I will not let this go. He was there. And again, this isn't a dig on Mike Awesome. He's fucking awesome. No pun intended. Um, But this, they turned up for one week, said, Rick Rude, you will not get to Francine. We've got Mike Awesome as Francine's protector. Didn't say a word. He was just there as a non-wrestling talent. And we never saw him again. And we probably don't. And then Francine got got stolen. (laughs) She got kidnapped. Exactly. So to me, I just do not understand this. Apart from he must have been in America at the time, and they said you fancy turning up and be part of this pathetic role that's not actually anything. Thanks for. Do you want to be on the show? I haven't brought my gear. It's all right. We'll just put you in the ring to say you're doing this. Yeah, then we don't have to see you ever again or ever mention it ever again. So that, to me, is that. I think that is an incredible shout. Um, mine are far more generic and basic. So uh, I had Rick Rude as an honourable mention. I've got uh, Jeff Jones as an honourable mention. Um, but my choice went to Mr. Wright um, because he annoys me. I, you know, they've, they've tried so hard to get him over. They've so, tried so hard to find catchphrases. That, that you know he can use. You know, don't ever change, but when you do call me, um, whatever the fuck, you know, I just don't. Ugh. And 
And he's doing a bad version of the same gimmick that other people are doing good versions of. Yeah, I, you know, we, we live in a world where we have heel ring announcers, heel interviewers, heel referees. Uh, none of those are needed at all. Um, you know, we are, we are in a world where we are the first to complain when we have yet another heel authority figure. God, I'm begging for a heel authority figure just so I can get rid of the heel ring bell technician and the, the heel popcorn salesman that we seem to be having at the moment. Yeah, but even that, why not just have... Like, if he was there for a while, they could just have Rick Rude as the authority figure. Yeah. It would be a great way to get the feud going. They could have just done whatever it had been reasoning for doing it. Uh, um, yeah. And, and, you know, a great way for him to fuck with the franchise. Again, the problem would be, I, what I'd want to see is the franchise get its hands on Rick Rude, which is the wrong way around because the franchise is the heel. Yeah. Is the other problem I have with this feud is you've got the heel and the other heel. Um, but yeah, still, just, yeah, rough, but yeah. Yeah, so, um, yeah, it's crazy. Um, worst on the mic. Was 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 hard for me. It's quite cutting. Um, <laughs> honorable mention to John Cronus. Yeah, just good shout. Sh- shocking, ooh, but ooh, I, ooh, yeah, but I just um, again, I don't fully understand sort of all of this. But I went for Rick Rude. Um, I just mm-hmm. felt he wasn't motivated in ECW. He, yeah. he was saying stuff where I, again, I don't know if it's like you said before, 2020 eyes looking at 97 product. There's just so much stuff. I just thought, oh, and again, I love Rick Rude. His stuff in WCW is amazing. WWE is amazing. Even NWO and all that, he played his part. I was cool with it, him and Kurt Hennig. Not an issue. But for some reason, he's sort of running ECW just really just was nothing for me. Absolutely nothing. No, I, I I I can see that. Um, he's he's not on my list, but um, definitely can. Um, I had a couple. Um, so Mr. Wright again got an honourable mention for me. Yeah. Um, Bam Bam is an honourable mention. Um, he didn't cut many promos, but that that one about you know cooperating and not cooperating <laughs> should be cooperating and I'm not cooperating. You know. He, he didn't do many promos, but they all were pretty poor. And again, Bam Bam, someone who you know can talk. Um, but uh, my choice um, was Terry Funk. Um, they were long, they were meandering, they were rambling, they had nothing to do with anything. And, you know, the biggest promo he had the biggest, you know, one that he really kind of resonated with. And I'm going to stand in that ring and I'm going to hold that title up and we're going to chant, are we, are we, are No, you didn't. Nope, you didn't do that at all. Uh, that was all for nothing. That was, that was nothing. Um, my honourable mention to this as well, though, the, the one that almost won this for me was any wrestler who on the mic said, and this is the shoot, brother, because that's really fucking annoyed me in 1997. Yeah. Everything I've said up to this point, that's not real. But now I'm going to tell you something real, brother. 
Yeah, no, I understand. The shoot was um very much over. Um, and finally, worst wrestler of the year. Where did you go with for this? I mean, I found this one quite difficult, um, and I've kind of gone on a taste thing rather than a you know anything else. Um, whilst with the best wrestlers of the year, I could talk about how much I loved their character as well as the wrestling and all the rest of it. These are ones that just were quite meh to me. Um, so um, I went for Brian Lee, uh, Big Dick Dudley and Blue Meanie just because they didn't do anything for me. Uh, Meanie probably is the honourable mention out of those rather than the actual because at least there were a couple of bits that made me laugh. Brian Lee and Big Dick Dudley just had the same role and then neither of them did it incredibly well and none of their matches stood out and they were all just kind of big man hitting stuff and then standing up again. Yeah, I mean, he was only there for part of the year, but I think I'd go for um, Brian Lee. I mean, I picked the Shah as well, Hack Myers, just because I just don't like him as a wrestler. I was just say not as a person, but um, I just don't like him as a wrestler. Um, if it wasn't for the fact that his matches were actually like good. I could have put Terry Funk on this list just because the fact that he so much emphasis for him winning the belt and then he didn't fucking turn up and cut a promo until he lost the belt like months later really pissed me off. At which point he was going to win the belt back so he could retire with the belt even though he's had it for months and hasn't retired with the belt. Exactly. So that sort of, that really frustrated me but it didn't make him a bad wrestler. It was just badly booked. I did, um, so, you know, similar sort of thing. I did think about putting Sandman in there, not because I don't like Sandman, because I really do. I'm a big fan of Sandman and, and what we've watched him become. But he's had a shocking 1997. He's been booked horribly and he has slipped down. I mean, you know, end of 1996, we were seeing him feuding with Raven and, you know, with his family and his son and all of that storyline going on. Yep. And this year, what the fuck's he done? He stole an ambulance at one point. Well, that's it. And even that was made to look like a joke because he's driving the wrong way drunk and then turned up and swung and missed everyone and got beaten up. So, yeah, I I almost picked the Sandman not because I think he's a bad wrestler. I mean, he's not a good wrestler, but, you know, you know what I mean? Um, Yeah, but it's just, 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 like I said, that's my issue with Terry Funk. I don't have an issue with Terry Funk. I just kind of sat there and thought the, the booking of his angle was just so like, you know, him winning the belt was like, okay, that's fine. It's the moment. It's the pay-per-view. It makes sense. He'd done loads for ECW. First pay-per-view, people would pay to watch him finally get that moment. Not an issue with that. But what followed was just how you could have your first pay-per-view, have Terry Funk have this amazing match and not start your next TV show with him in the ring with all the fans having this moment, kind of about how much this title meant to him. It is just absolutely beyond me. I'll never understand. I mean, we said like ECW, as much as you have amazing moments that you'll always remember, going back on this journey, we see bits where you look back and you think, man, you dropped the ball with that moment. And that to me is a massive drop the ball moment. We saw the pay-per-view rates. It was pretty good, decent buyers. There would have been people that watched the TV show and Funk wasn't to be seen for weeks. No, I completely agree. But um, And then he ran out, he didn't bring the belt with him. Yeah, he just turned up to RVD and said it's not about the belt right now or whoever it was. 
So that was me, and just um, went off yeah. to them. Um, but that being said, yeah, I think overall Brian Lee, he was wrestling on TV every week, and um, I found his, all his matches so skippable. He just does nothing, did nothing for me. Any of his runs, I don't know yeah. what it is about him. I just didn't didn't really click with it. And um, yeah, that's nineteen ninety seven. Next week we'll be back to beginning of nineteen ninety eight. Everything's going to be different. I mean, it's it's been a huge year for for ECW. I mean, you know, we had them on pay per view. We've had Raven leave. The Eliminators broke up. BWO finished. Um, you know, it's been quite the quite the year. Yeah, I mean, when it's all said and done, I think we should almost look back and do a side review on ECW's sort of hardest year. But uh, this one, that they've lost. Um, some massive names like I said like losing Raven is huge so much was built around him obviously yeah. the title um, Funk Feud Sandman uh, Dreamer every, Stevie BWO everything was built about Raven so for him to sort of leave it ripped out so much he, he basically joined so much together that everything was kind of left foundering because he was sort of the piece to everything really yeah, he joined every feud was like because of him, but um, yeah, interesting. Obviously, we're we'll looking at nineteen ninety eight, so everyone can get excited for that. You can follow us at underscore Sports Arena on Twitter or Instagram and get involved with all that because we are. I'm looking forward to ninety eight. Like I said, it's um got some great pay per views. We've got Al Snow moving up, Triple Threat in full flow. Where does Bam Bam fit into this again? Taz going on. So I think this year we've got Taz versus Bam Bam coming up. Yep. The Al- rise of Just Incredible. The rise of Just Incredible. Um obviously Sandman continues. Um it's I think Heatwave ninety eight. Got um, this crazy. It's a lot to look forward to in this year. That's it. For lost you? Yeah, I, I was just uh, I'm trying to work out whether it's Steve Carino's ECW debut as well. Um, is that Hardcore Heaven '99? I'm trying to think if it's when he fights Balls Mahoney. I'm sure, not sure if it's Hardcore Heaven '99. 1998, Carino debuted as, as the heel manager. Oh, my boy Steve Carino turns up. Yes. He stood out in ECW as the result of his King of Old School gimmick, where he would deride hardcore wrestling at one point, invading Limp Biscuit's concert and protesting immoral conduct. Yeah, so, you know, it's probably, um, so, yeah. probably the best kept secret at the moment. I'm a massive Steve Carino fan, so really excited to watch all of that stuff again but yeah obviously get involved with social media thank you very much for listening we'll be back next week for more extreme rewind and um see you later bye